From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. Alistair, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Fancy. How are you doing? I'm absolutely fabulous this morning. Really great uh, to have you on. Uh, maybe you can start off by giving us a perspective about uh, about where you're seeing cultural institutions uh, for um, just right at the moment uh, in in terms of the pandemic. Well, so the I, I think that the key thing about culture is that it's a human experience. So people want to congregate and you know enjoy art, music, and each other. Um, you know how we how we express ourselves and. The pandemic's kind of saying that you're not supposed to congregate. You have to isolate. Um, you know, everything, you need to be in small groups, et cetera, et cetera. So it's completely kind of against human nature. And I think that's had, you know, huge effects, obviously, on everything that we do in terms of entertainment. So music events, concerts, even sport, um, you know, the theater, the, uh, the Janiswick Philharmonic Orchestra hasn't been able to perform live. And so forth. And I, and I think the worry that these institutions have is, uh, you know, what's permanent and what's temporary? I mean, are we going to be wearing masks whenever we go out to a show? Um, can we have big crowds of a couple of thousand people at events? Or is our whole psyche just going to be kind of wrecked by this pandemic? Now, of course, Alistair, a lot of uh, the response in the cultural world to the pandemic has been to try and move things online. Um, but it seems to me that it's been eff- effective for some kinds of art and not others. Could you care to comment on that? Yeah, so, I mean, if, if you look at it, I think most um, big events, things like Comic-Con, for example, so I, I spoke to the organizers of that a few a couple of months ago, they already were going online because, you know, they have fans who can't attend the Comic-Con event in Joburg or Cape Town, maybe they're from Durban or another part of Africa. But it's still not quite the same thing. You, you're not getting that, that human interaction, as I say, especially for, I say, children. You know, children want to go out and they want to see their favorite characters dressed up. They want to go to, you know, something like Disney on Ice. They, they, it's, there's that magic around that, that whole fantasy kind of aspect. But if it's online, it's you can see it's not really real uh, because you're not there. You're not actually immersed in the experience. It's almost like every time one of these events is online, you, you're watching a movie. You know, how different is it really? Um, and I think a, a big problem also with that online thing is how do you actually charge people to watch you perform, you know, in your library live or, or you kind of pre-do a set? Uh, you've got to get really creative to kind of keep people's attention because you're now competing with Netflix, Showmax, Hulu, whatever else, um, in terms of entertainment. If you're a live performer, that's, that's quite difficult. Yeah, absolutely. The online experience. Is, is definitely one that, that people are having to come to terms with. We're talking to Alistair Anderson today. He is a writer for Financial Mail, and uh, we bring him on to talk about culture from time to time. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back just after this. From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing, and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders, and those creating news before it happens. Only on the new Blue Review, 
your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. We're talking to Alistair Anderson today about how cultural and rural institutions have been affected by Corona. Uh, Alistair, we were talking about the online experience and who has been most able to benefit from it uh, and, and who has been most affected. But I think also some kinds of cultural institutions have been more affected than others by the actual lockdown. Some of some of them have been able to uh, pivot a little bit, do in smaller things. But particularly, I want to talk about theatres. You know, the loss of the Fugard was enormous. Uh, there's discussions around... Uh, uh, around, uh, um, excuse me, the theatre on the square, uh, da- Daphne Kuhn's theatre needing serious investment. Uh, those kind of of, of theatres that, that that do productions that are not necessarily music uh, have really badly been affected. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so if you look at theatre in general in South Africa, it's not cheap to go to the theatre for most people. You know, it is it, you're spending a few hundred rand often. Um, and we've been trying to build a culture of getting people to theatres on top of that, because I think, you know, that South Africa does have a rich theatre history, um, but a lot of the youth have not necessarily been exposed to theatre. So that's something that they, I think, as a, sort of as an industry, they've been battling with for a number of years. Then you get COVID coming along, and it, it hits it even harder. I mean, so something like the few odd closing down is, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, that's shattering for art in South Africa. It's such a famous theatre. You know, Athol Fugard is one of our most foremost playwrights. So it is very worrying, and you just you wonder what you know how to help uh, these people. And when you've got something like the Department of Arts and Culture has been criticised for doing very little in terms of funding, uh, you know, people through the pandemic. I mean, there was a protest I think, in Cape Town where we had uh, artists that were, um, you know, basically squatting in buildings, you know, saying, "Please help us." Uh, so it is quite scary, and as you say, so just beyond music, which I suppose is something which people can relate to very easily, um, things like art, other art and theatre are, are in trouble. And I suppose what's also quite sad is if you look at other things like shopping centres and so on, they've got lots of people in them right now with COVID protocols. So people in eventing and theatre wondering why can't they have you know be open with more people in them? I mean, they've probably got even they could have even better. Um, you know, cleaning measures and ways of of abiding uh, by the COVID protocols. Yeah, so theatre, obviously, as you say, is, is a huge issue. I have seen some of uh, some of the live music events starting to come back slowly. Uh, I mean, you, you you worked in a band, so you you would know what that looks like. Uh, but but there also does seem to be a, now a lack of venues because a lot of venues have closed down, uh, and not just the the actual artists themselves. Well, yeah, so that's the other um, challenge is that they're saying, okay, we can have 50 people you know, at a music show. But that's very difficult to finance because you need to pay the band, you need to pay you know, the, the people doing the sound, you need to maybe rent equipment. So how, how do you actually make a profit on that at all? Never mind, pay basic costs. So, yeah, some people who would have opened venues have had to close them very quickly. Um, I mean, I interviewed the guys from Baseline recently, and, yes, that – you know, they left Newtown a few years ago, but they've had to now um, do another kind of business where they're doing mentorship around artists and they're getting artists to kind of record videos and then do mentoring work. So lots of people are trying to be creative, they're trying to find ways just to, you know, to get through the year as as performers. 
and this and, and while still doing something musical or something artistic you know as opposed to ending up working at bars and you know what i mean not doing their passion yeah uh, i can imagine that that must be um really really tough if you're an artist or a or a, an event space owner i'd like to know from you uh, listeners, if you, how you're experiencing the lockdown from a cultural perspective, uh, 34519, you can give us a, a perspective that's on our SMS line. What about the other side of the equation, Ernest? Obviously, we've seen, uh, in some respects, uh, other forms of culture, um, becoming big. Netflix was already big before, but now it's become, I think, a one of the real winners, if you like, of, of the lockdown to some extent. Uh, and also, I think, how that connects with the movie industry because we actually uh, haven't seen uh, that, that many movies this year that are being made. People are, are, are waiting to, to launch them. The Oscars were down uh, in terms of viewership. How has how how that actually affected the movies uh, versus something like Netflix where a lot of people are now watching? So, it's, yeah, again, Hollywood's, quite a problem with you know rolling out box office films now because they need bums and seats so many films have been delayed you know things like the new top gun the june movie which really require many many people in a theater at once you know that's what cinemas make their money off um but they need to get this content out they, these production places can't sit with so many films that have been made and aren't being released so we had things like mortal kombat would be released on a streaming service as well as at the cinema and that's becoming fairly common now and apparently it is making money, but you'll see that, you know, where if a film makes $100 million, that tends to be a proper blockbuster. But nowadays, I think if the next half of that, people are going to be like, well, at least it did that. It's just sad because then you don't get, you know, Hollywood taking technology to another level necessarily and throwing the budget at it because, it, you know, you need bums and seats. And the, the, the other problem is not to not Netflix or any of these other streaming services, but they do sometimes churn out not the best content because either they don't have the budget or they're just trying to over, overload you with you know, different options and different content. What's quite nice in South Africa finally is that we are getting productions made here and there is an interest in kind of telling African stories and South African stories and not, not just having you know, Americans come and film things here because you can make places like Cape Town look like anything and, and that's why they tend to come here. It's also cheaper maybe to film here than it is in Eastern Europe. Now... I think it's a, a crucial point that you're making just about where South African culture is locked down or not. What's really interesting is that in this last year, we've seen two South African uh, productions, if you like, really on opposite end of the spectrum. Right? On the one hand, you had uh, The Octopus Teacher, which, which took home an Oscar, on Netflix, uh, really a movie that probably couldn't have been made anywhere else in the world uh, and, and, and really rising to the top of, of, a, of the documentary, uh, you know, set. And on the other side is Jerusalem, which is, you know, a, 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 a mixture of, uh, gospel and dance music working with other African artists that, that became famous via a, a sort of dancing trend on, on TikTok and, and Twitter and all these sorts of things. Uh, it's, and, and it's gone also worldwide. So, Two very different kinds of, of South African cultural exports uh, under difficult conditions that nonetheless, you know, doing well on the world stage. Uh, is South African culture, despite all the challenges, still able to, to churn out these kind of world-beating uh, discussions? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think people are, because of the, the internet, the state of the internet, and how easy it is to access information for people all around the world, and quickly, so I think through things like TikTok and Instagram, people are, you may, maybe, maybe didn't really know much about South Africa, actually kind of taking an interest. I think our population is quite young and dynamic at the moment, so people now want to tell their stories. I think we're finally getting past the point of just, you know, telling things about our past, especially apartheid kind of stories. We want to now create, you know, new stories. Um, and then something like my octopus teacher, I mean, it's, you know, it's set in a beautiful kind of area. So people are realizing that much of South Africa is naturally beautiful. And even Jerusalem, it just shows you that there is diverse culture in the country. And, you know, it, it, it's not always so easy that something just goes viral, but if you get lucky, it does. But don't get me wrong. I mean, you might see something coming out of Vietnam in a couple of weeks that, to just manage to get the zeitgeist, you know, globally or in the Western world. So, yeah, we, we, we are, you know, we are competing with many different countries, of course, uh, to get our art out there. But now it's so easy to get access to information. It also makes it kind of more difficult, though, if you're a musician or a performer, because, you know, how, how do you actually become famous and for how long can you be famous when um, these days people want, you know, the delayed gratification that doesn't exist. So people want that entertainment. They want it immediately, especially youth of today. You know, it's, it's all about like three seconds or a short song. I mean, I don't know if people even make albums anymore. So it's a competitive space out there, but so Africa is getting noticed. Now, you mentioned the government earlier, uh, and the sort of lack of kind of support from the National Art Council and the fact that, um, that, that artists were, were protesting. What can you tell us more about governmental support or, or, or lack of it? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I just don't know if it's really been a coordinated, um, kind of process. Because if you talk to many artists, they haven't, you know, I mean, they, they haven't had extra help. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, kind of claiming UIF or, you know, there's TERS, TERS payments and so on for people who couldn't work. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think government has really covered itself in glory when it comes to arts and culture. We haven't really seen um, I mean, some governments have done it worse. Uh, you look in the UK, there were adverts telling you to reskill or get a different job. And I realize we have other priorities perhaps in this country. Um, you know, that's, yeah, I think the biggest problem, obviously, for arts and culture people now is that until people are vaccinated, they can't really have events. And so, so they really need that vaccination process more than many other industries. And of course, we, we kind of, you know, foreign artists coming here because they'll only come here if they know that much of the country has been vaccinated. Which does and pose for us a particular kind of a problem in South Africa because we are, whether we like it or not, reasonably behind the curve when it comes to the vaccination process. Uh, you know, the kind of herd immunity levels that we're looking at very likely to be achieved only towards the end of the year, perhaps. Um, if, if, if everything goes according to the governmental plan. So really, if you're an artist, you need to be figuring out how you're going to be coping, not just last year, which was the big year, but, but really till the end of this year before you can get those crowds back. Yeah, that, that's, that's the things. And it's very difficult to kind of plan. I mean, we're, what, we're now in May to kind of plan what you, what you're going to do as a musician or if you're running musical events or other, themed events. I mean, we're running into winter now, so obviously there's less events at the moment, but you know, I'd like to think that come kind of September, October, when things get warm again, that you know, there's some kind of vaccination has been rolled out and you can open things again. As I said, like the Jack Philharmonic Orchestra hasn't been able to perform 
you know, for more than a year. And they've tried to do online concerts, but it's just really doesn't quite work, you know, in comparison to sitting there with, you know, a whole orchestra in front of you in a beautiful theater. So what would you say is then your prediction for, for the arts for the next six months? I mean, uh, is there stuff that people can look forward to? Is there innovation? I know the last time we chatted, uh, you sort of predicted the rise of, um, of, of these, um, uh, drive-ins where people could go see movies. That's become quite a big deal. I think we've seen a number of those in South Africa. Uh, what are the trends that you're seeing going forward? When it comes to uh, when when it comes to to the arts and culture scene, so, so I think you'll see more South African productions you know, in terms of film and TV. Those those things will uh, you know come onto streaming platforms and so on. I think more reality TV shows, which they've managed to film. So there's a lot of people who are going to be staying in and watching those things. I see like Survivor. There's another season of Survivor coming out. Uh, but in terms of actual events, it's not much, and until we you know, we have some kind of plan where people are vaccinated because, as I said, it's, you might have some intimate gigs and in that's what people are trying to do. So limited tickets, intimate shows with different artists from around SA and maybe Africa. But, you know, don't expect to see any like, big concert events uh, with thousands of people this year. And as I say, even things like Comic-Con, I was speaking to organizers there, they, they're probably going to do an online-only thing. They, they don't want to commit Either way, but it's very difficult for them not to because they've got to put deposits down for international events and so on. And I, I don't think we'll see any major music festivals this year at all. Uh, so it's, it's really is another year or well, another half year of being patient and then hopefully next year things start happening. You'll see overseas that uh, many shows are being announced, people are, are booking um, gigs and so on, and... So they're very confident that things are going to be okay. Do you think there'll be any permanent change to our arts and culture scene in, say, like two, three years' time that people were able to say, oh, well, you know, this is a kind of art or, or culture that we consume now because of the pandemic? I, I think we, we're going to go back to being um, humans, basically. And uh, what humans do is humans want to be with other humans. We want to party. We want to drink. We want to meet other people. You know, it's, it's just, so, so yeah, we, we might become kind of aware of our health more and be careful when we go out, but I, I can't see people wearing masks as a permanent thing, for example, and I can't see things changing that much, you know, in a few years' time. But we, we've got to revert to what we know. I mean, how do you, as I say, how do you actually meet other people in cyberspace and have a real connection? It's, it's very difficult. You know, people go to concerts and they meet their wives and husbands there. And I, th- I don't think that's going to change. Um, it's just too powerful, the you know, human interaction, the need for it, the need to socialize. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, 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 something which I think that we realize the arts and culture really provides to to us uh, that that we miss, as as, as you say, as, as as humans. Alistair, if people want to read your perspectives on things. Uh, listen to your stuff, uh, whatever way can I find you? So I, I write for Business Day, I write for Financial Mail and the Sunday Times, and then I've started a podcast called Alistair Clears the Air, which is on YouTube. And, yeah, hopefully I'm going to try to get more and more South African cultural sort of people and influences onto the show and so we can discuss 
the culture around South Africa and perhaps and not just the politics. Well, there you go. Uh, Alistair Anderson, he is uh, a, a writer for the Financial Mail Sunday Times uh, and, and a, a culture critic. Alistair, thank you so much for joining us on the show and for bringing us your perspective once again on the pandemic and, and where it's uh, affecting the arts. Thank you. Thanks so much, Benji. Have a great week.